This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Shoppers John Deere presents live from West Palm Beach for the start of spring baseball. Thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors, it's Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. Okay, so we're, we're live at spring training in uh, Florida. West Palm Beach will be there today. Red Sox versus Astros. Logically, Seth, if I was nervous, maybe irrationally so, about Jose Altuve's three strikeouts when we were here on Monday, yeah. then I must, by definition, be irrationally excited about Luis Garcia's two innings pitched yesterday where he struck out struck out not just four Mets, but struck out four Mets at the top of their order. Like, they had, they had guys in there yesterday. He struck, right, yeah, they he, had he their He struck play. out Pete Alonso. It was the first, um, his first four, he faced $58.5 million of salary. <laughs> That's your new thing with yeah. the Mets. You add up how much Well, because Lindor, Lindor is like $30 million or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete Alonso. Um, he ended up, it was ended up being like $90 million of salary that he, he uh, worked out. his way through. Yeah. Not, well, not struck out. But did, for, did, he, did he beat? Did his he, first uh, seven, the, the seven that he faced in two innings yeah. uh, ended up being about $90 million worth okay. of salary. So it was a pretty good outing for God, Luis Garcia. Who's... Alonzo and Lindor in there. I might have taken the under on that. Only $90 million, huh? <laughs> well, you got to remember the, like the Mets are spending 20 at least. Yeah, but everybody. a lot of that's up in pitchers. And, yeah, know. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. No, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, 90. Only 90. Their whole payroll is like $398 million or Yeah, what is, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. So, Garcia looked good, though. But he looked very, very good. Um, there was an interesting moment with the pitch clock that did didn't end up one did harm the so there are two moments actually one did harm the Astros where Diaz struck out because he wasn't ready to face the the pitcher yet uh, so that was the third strike and then the other was uh, that worked out for the Astros was when Luis Garcia couldn't figure out with Corey Lee whether he was going to throw a, uh, a cutter and the pitch clock was running out, so he said, well, screw it, I'm just going to throw. He used more colorful language. I'm just going to throw a... He dropped throw, an F-ball. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to throw a fastball. And uh, the fastball struck the batter out. Yep. That was Canha that he was going against. That is an underrated thing, though. I, that's something I would not thought of, to be honest with you, with this pitch clock. I mean, we're, we're learning more and more wrinkles as these games play out here. That's not a wrinkle I thought of where, okay, if there's a miscommunication or a, maybe a, a, a glitch in communication between yeah. the catcher and the pitcher... And you've only got so many times you're allowed to delay play as a pitcher during an inning. Um, you got to make a decision with the clock winding down. Yeah. Do I use one of my step off the mounds here for this inning, or do I just go ahead and wind up and do what Luis Garcia did yesterday? Because yeah. normally, in a, prior to these rule changes, you have an easy out. You just go timeout, timeout. I kind of like this. I never liked it. As a kid, that was really hard for me to kind of process as somebody who watched football, basketball, and baseball. 
And as you start to learn the nuances of sports, I got to be a sports fan when I was about 9 or 10, and I watched football and basketball. Okay, I understand what a timeout is. You've got X amount. You watch baseball, you're like, these guys can call timeout whenever they want to? Just, yeah, they're just stopping. Step out of the batter's box? <laughs> yeah. like, I do kind of like this aspect and I, of it. I, and I like, too, that the guys that are absurdly slow and take forever, like, that's enough already, you prima donna. Yes. Like, I just... We got I, places to go. Yeah, slow-paced pitchers have driven me insane forever. Like, like what is your ego yeah. that you you think, oh, yeah, nobody else's time is worth as much as yours. Yes. Uh, an extra half hour for, for you to be on the mound. Ooh, you're so special. It's their turn to get to the back of the line. Yeah, Pitchers. yeah, that's right. Your that's turn. right. You've been delaying us for years. So, I, and I think it's one of those things, though, too. If that hadn't worked out for the Astros, then people are going to say, like, ah, oh, the pitch clock is screwing us. There's going to be times where it works out. There's going to be times where it doesn't work out. Yeah. I think ultimately it ends up just – it takes a lot of the overthought out of it. You know, when you're, like, honestly, all right, you're sitting there trying to figure out, you're trying to figure out what pitch to throw. The batter's trying to figure out what pitch you're going to throw. Go. It's a giant guessing game. Yeah. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. Just, just go. And, um, and I mean, there's advantages and disadvantages for both the pitcher and the catcher. It's just which guys adjust to it better. Kyle Tucker complained about it in his first outing. He was out there again yesterday. It didn't look like it was bothering him at all. Get two hits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's been hitting pretty well. Yeah. You know, Altuve was the guy that looked like it most affected him, and he, and he struck out three times in a row. Yeah, he looked bad. On Monday. He looked bad. So um, the other thing yesterday that was interesting was Jake Myers was in left field while Chaz McCormick was in center field. Uh, nothing ridiculous happened that made you feel like, oh, one guy's ahead of the other no. in the battle, other than that I went on with Clinton's show in the afternoon on the drive, and now I am officially pulling for Jake Myers. Because, yeah, you were uh, talking about that as we were leaving the, uh, the, the stadium yesterday. I don't like you know, And look, frankly, I was always kind of skeptical of Jake Myers. I didn't like the fact that last year, heading into training camp or spring training, everybody was on Team Jake, and oh, Jake could do no wrong. And oh my gosh, if Jake's shoulder is back, it's just going to be a magical, glorious ride off into the future with Jake Myers. And now all of a sudden, a year later, uh, oh, yeah, Jake sucks. And he played with a bum shoulder the whole year. So uh, I, don't like the fact, I don't like the fact that Clinton's show kind of put down Jake Myers and then they loft up Chaz McCormick like he's just been this solid and steady, consistent performer uh, forever when he got, he got sent down to the minors last year. I like Chaz a lot, too, but don't act like he's got a – don't act like, oh, yeah, he doesn't need to compete for a spot. This is pro sports. You're always competing for a spot. I think they just like calling him White Boy Chaz. Yeah. I think they like. I think they just like that. That's my. That's my know, theory. I, I get offended by that. You do uh, just as a, uh, as a white person, as a white boy, <laughs> as a, because now in an athletic endeavor, it's just right. too much. Because that's when people start. Uh, that's when people start you know, like just chalking you up. It's like, yeah, he's a real hustler. He just he's a he boy. He really just uh, he works hard. I, I don't. Yeah. Know, I don't know why they call him that. I've never asked them. But they used to call Clint used to call Chad Hansen White Boy Chad. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The white wide receiver yeah. for the Texans back in 2020. The worst thing you can do as a white athlete is to start thinking of yourself as a white guy. Yeah. Don't ever fall into that trap no. of like, oh yeah, what well, uh, that happened. Um, it's what did me in as an athlete for sure. Gary Moeller once. I remember I made a really nice play uh, on defense. Gary Moeller was our defensive coordinator at the time. Yeah, he didn't have a clue about the NFL, like a genuine <laughs> idiot. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> He really was. He was a college coach. He was a really good college coach. They got elevated. He gave Coughlin a good pep talk. Um, but, like, he just didn't have a clue. Like, he honestly didn't have a clue. He was like, he'd be up, like, we'd be watching film, 
and he'd be like misidentifying personnel groupings and stuff, asking coaches about the rules. Yeah. So I made this nice play, and and he's like, you see, here's a guy. He's like, he's not fast or athletic, but look at him. He just grinds away and eventually gets the job done. And it was a play where like I actually made a pretty nice athletic move and everything, and like. And like everybody's looking at me like like black guys and white guys alike. It was a unifying moment for us as a team. Yeah, I was like, what the hell is Gary talking about, See? Seth? Gary brought like, people you're together. Fast as hell on that yeah. play. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't. Uh, yeah. So I don't like the. I don't like the whole white. Don't like the pigeonholing. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. it. Okay, okay. I don't get like deeply offended by it. Or no, anything. no. I'm not. I'm not like. I, I'm no. not. A, I'm no, not. But a, you're a, carrying this molar thing around with you. A I'm not. Bit. A, I'm not. A, I'm not on a news station whining about the double standard or some <laughs> right, nonsense right. like that. I'm just saying it's. Like, uh, is a like uh, white boy Chaz should not be start thinking of himself as white boy Chaz. I got you. I yeah. got you. Um, we forget that um, there are people when we're talking about these new rules, we've been immersed in them for however long now. You know, we it's been our life. It's been our life for the last few weeks. Um, eight nine oh nine on the trailer wheel and frame text page. What's the penalty for not pitching in time for the pitch clock? Uh, it's a simple it's question, a but yeah, it's a yeah. ball. Yeah, the, the batter gets a, a ball. If the batter gets a, if the batter screws it up, he gets a strike. Yep. If the pitcher screws it up, it's a ball. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, batter a lot screws of the, it up by not being in the batter's box. Okay, time. this is a this is a little bit of a misunderstanding with the Luis Garcia stuff. Luis Garcia had to change his windup not because of the pitch clock, but because. The MLB, in addition to all these rules changes, also said, and by the way, it's hard to know when to start the pitch clock, so we're going to be really strict about the rules of what you're allowed to do during your windup. So they're, they're enforcing this year that you can only take one step before the windup. Yeah. So that's why Luis Garcia had to change his windup, because people were saying, well, why is it a balk if there's nobody on base? It's not a balk. If he, if he, if he were to do his old windup, it would just be an illegal, uh, be a an illegal uh, pitch. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a balk. So uh, that's, it's not a, it wouldn't be a balk. It would be an illegal pitch. It's not technically a pitch clock rule that they added that's affecting him. It's just that they're, they're going to enforce everything more strictly. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. So Garcia was really good yesterday. The bats were good early. Um, Yiner Diaz, as you pointed out, made history. The first Astro that I know of to strike out uh, on a, a pitch clock violation. Jordan Alvarez's hand is still a big topic around camp. Except that Dana Brown said that they expect him to be ready for training camp well, here's for, the du- uh, for here's, the regular season. Here's the dueling pianos going yeah. on right now. It's with manager and GM. Because yeah. Dusty Baker was asked about Jordan Alvarez in his pregame session with the media yesterday. And um, he was asked by Chandler Rome if he's seen any additional, if Jordan has seen any additional specialists or anything regarding his hand. Dusty, direct quote here, Seth. You know HIPAA, man. I can't tell you that. I love HIPAA. I don't have to lie. I just can't tell you, end yeah. quote. <laughs> Which, by the way, is untrue. Like, it's not, it's not like people, people don't totally guys, understand HIPAA. Guys talk about, uh, teams talk about players' medical status. It's not, right. it's not a HIPAA thing that uh, keeps them from saying stuff. Right, yeah. right. But it, the point but, being, it's a, but they like invoking it when, they, when it's convenient. Point yeah. being, Dusty does not like to give out a lot of information yeah, yeah. along those lines. Dana Brown, on the other hand, as we've pointed out in playing some of his audio his first few weeks as Astros GM, he seems chatty. He's very very yeah. talkative. Um, he does he was, give a hip of violation? Does, yeah, oh, he, no. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> um, he, uh, he was on the ESPN game broadcast and said that he expects Jordan Alvarez to get into games in spring training by midway through spring training. And, quote, he definitely should be back for opening day. 
he's already feeling a lot better, end quote. So Dana Brown a little more, a lot more actually, forthcoming than, um, than Dusty Baker. So Jordan, I, what's your concern level over this with Jordan right now? I'm concerned uh, just that uh, – I'm concerned kind of a, about the recurrence. I've got a generalized anxiety disorder over it. It's it's not like I'm having a panic attack or anything, but it's the recurring nature of it and yeah. the fact that it's at the very beginning of camp now that that concerns me. So I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm at a, a gnawing 3. Okay. Yeah. How worried, not an annoying 3, a gnawing 3. 3 is about where I am, too. Yeah. How it, worried are you about the coconuts falling out of the palm trees in the front yard of our house right here? Zero. Okay, I'm yeah. deeply concerned. When we get home every day, we have two palm trees in the front yard yeah. of our Airbnb, and both days we've come home from the ballpark, there's been a new gigantic coconut in the middle of the front yard where I walk it from time. I walk in that yard from time to time. I talked to Brandy about this this morning. and I, and, uh, I put up a video about it yesterday. I was I'm laughing about how you're, you're acting like coconuts falling out of trees. Is like you're seeing a giraffe on the savanna or something for the first time. No. Uh, no, you are, and this is why. But she told me to take it easy on it, on you with it, because she says she remembers when she first moved to Florida, like it was a big deal because you only really – you think of palm trees and coconuts and everything as just something that's only in the movies or it's like some exotic locale. So like actually seeing a coconut fall from a tree is kind of a big deal. I don't remember being as awed as you are by it, but I, I lived in Florida for a long time, okay. so I guess maybe I just don't remember. Okay. Okay, let me, let me, let me, you're reading into what I'm saying wrong. If that were a pine cone, I wouldn't go, look at that pine cone right there that fell because out of a tree. Because you grew up seeing pine cones. That's okay. Well, fair enough. I didn't grow up in a locale with coconuts. I'm more concerned about the size and weight of the coconut hitting right. one of us. Right. I'm not awed at the fact, I know how gravity works, Seth. Okay. <laughs> I've seen this whole story with the and apple yet, hitting Isaac And Newton. yet you've spent a lot of mental energy on these falling Worried coconuts. that I'm going to die. But what did you not realize about coconuts falling? Have you not watched cartoons and coconuts hitting people on heads? Did, did you just think that that was made up just for, for uh, like, out of thin air? No, but I didn't realize it was going to be one per day falling out of there. <laughs> That's a decent percentage chance one of us gets hit walking back from the car. 150 people per year die from coconut concussions. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Just say uh, they're big. They're big. Objects, yeah, yeah. Coconut water. That's my concern. I'm not awed at the fact that coconuts fall out of trees. I'm aware that that happens, but I'm I'm concerned that it's happening in a direct path from our car where we park to the front door. I could have been out there smoking a cigar. It's not. They fall straight down and then they roll on the ground. They're the. The coconuts are all clustered right at the top of the trunk. What if I forget that they're up there? (laughs) Are you going to take a nap at the bottom, like with your head at the base of the coconut tree? No, but I will tell you this. This might happen, and I'm being dead serious. I might have a few beers one night, and I brought some cigars, and I might walk in the front yard in the dark, having had a few beers, smoking a cigar, and forget that I'm underneath those You're going to be like a drunken Isaac Newton. Yeah. You're gonna... <laughs> Who dies? Yeah. It's not an apple. If Isaac Newton got hit in the head with a coconut, we would have never discovered gravity, ironically. Physics would have been lost to us. Yes. We'd all be just ironically, we never would have discovered gravity. If Isaac Newton... You're right. 150 coconut deaths yeah. uh, per year. That's more. Well, now I assume that's all. I, I read that that was from them falling on their head, but maybe it could also include food poisoning from, <laughs> from pina coladas when that I, have been left out of the fridge. When I put that video up yesterday of the coconuts in our front yard, 
there were more than a handful of people were encouraging you to take them, drill holes in them, so we can make drinks out of them. Yeah, yeah, we should do that. Yeah. We should make. You can some, do that too. <laughs> Every, I'm just going to stand under the tree with a catcher's mitt, waiting for them to fall. Coconut things are an actual agricultural product. Are they really? They're not just, I just manufactured just in a lab or something. Projectiles You're designed to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I want. Well, let's see. What other magical? Uh, plants and creatures have you not seen in the wild that we could take you to go see? Flamingos? Have you seen a flamingo seen in the a wild? I've been yet? to the zoo. Okay. Yeah, right. Well, I know, but it's different when you see it in the wild. In the wild. No, you're right. No, I haven't seen one in the yeah, wild. Yeah, I bet you when you see it in the wild, you're going to be kind of like, I didn't even know that they existed wow, yeah, outside of the zoo. I thought they made them in a lab at the zoo. Well, that's like, a, you know, you go to other countries <laughs> and, and you're like, Ooh, is that a monkey? And they're like, yeah, it's a freaking monkey. They're a pain in the ass. <laughs> My, uh, I know. Yes, how- they're all over the place. They crap on everything. Like when, be- <laughs> when people come up to where I grew up, they're like, oh my gosh, there's deer in your yard. Okay. I'm like, yeah, I know. They suck. Is, <laughs> is, is, is this why in the video, people noticed in the video I did, you're in it for a split second. Yeah. As I'm panning over to the second coconut, you're in the background. And I kind of saw the video move so quickly. I didn't want to pause and see because when people are disappointed in me, I don't like to know about it. Um, but plenty, plenty of listeners paused the video and said, Seth looks completely disgusted with you right now. Okay, well, okay Sean, this is the thing. What? The uh, coconut, I want you to look this morning when we walk out. Is, if you can get over your afar, fear. I'm not getting underneath the tree and looking. I need you to understand the way gravity works. The coconuts are clustered right at the top of the trunk. They fall down. And then they roll on the ground. You're looking at them where they are on the ground as if, like, they fell from the heavens just, right to there. I'm just worried about dying. That's all. That's all. I'm worried about my mortality. Watch. We're going to walk out. You're going to get hit. No, you're going to be walking along the path, and one of those coconuts is going to fall and bounce off a rock and hit you in the side of the head or something. Like, it's going to be... All right. So, uh... The, the bottom line is pray for me, people. That's all. Just pray for me. Um, John Lynch, GM of the 49ers, he used to employ D'Amico Ryans. He used to employ Bobby, employ, uh, Bobby Slowick. Uh, now the Texans head coach and OC, respectively. What was John Lynch's view? And Mike McDaniel. This is fun. His view on D'Amico Ryans as well. Uh, D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Slowick evaluations next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Shoppers John Deere presents live from West Palm Beach for the start of spring baseball. Thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors, it's Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. All right, we will uh, get back to some Astros talk in the next segment in headlines. Uh, in the meantime, we uh, continue live from West Palm Beach. Sean Pendergast, Seth Payne. Shoppers John Deere bringing us down here uh, so we can bring spring training to you. Up at, uh, in Indianapolis, the Combine, the NFL Combine is going on this week. A reminder, D'Amico Ryans meets with the media today at noon Houston time. So we will carry that live on Sports Radio 610, just like we carried Nick Casario live yesterday. We'll have some more Casario as well as we roll on with the show today. Um, John McClain joins us at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock today. He's in Indianapolis at the Combine, so he was there yesterday for Nick's media session. We'll get... Uh, John's take on everything going on up at the Combine in Indy. D'Amico Ryans is the new Texas head coach. He was in San Francisco for the last six seasons. The last two is the defensive coordinator. John Lynch is the GM in San Francisco. Here's John Lynch yesterday at the Combine on D'Amico Ryans. You know, I I first met D'Amico when he was a player and I was a broadcaster. And uh, you tend to ask for the best players in production meetings and and captains and things like that. D'Amico was always one of those guys. And, and you know, the, the thing you first recognize when you're around D'Amico Ryan is just presence. He's got he's got something about him. When he walks in a room, he kind of commands that room and uh, does it in a very quiet way. Um, you know, maybe when he was playing, that was a little different. The emotion and all that would come. But he's very uh, calm, calculated. He's very smart. He, the, the players love him. Uh, they'll go to all ends to try to make him happy because they know what he's teaching them is going to lead to success so D'Amico is going to do a fantastic job as well um, tough guy to replace yeah he, um, there was another clip too where he talked about the kind of having the the temperament to deal with the uh, discord maybe or like the the problems that arise on any NFL football team I think that D'Amico is um, D'Amico has a like as I told you about the time I flipped out on him when he was a rookie, he had like a calming influence over me when I was a ten-year veteran, and um, <clears throat> I think that he has that effect on a lot of people. So that's hold on a second, <coughs> cornflakes. Um, <laughs> so you're worried about pineapples? I'm about to die from cornflakes right here. Or, uh, you're worried about you're worried okay. about coconuts? Yeah. I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that. Uh, I think that part of it is in line with what Casario has said a couple times that, you know, Casario had heard all these things about D'Amico and then you meet him in person and you realize, oh, okay, this is the real deal. I think a lot of times, you know, you, you hear positive reports about people and sometimes when it gets filtered through the media, they're, they're, they turn into more gushing reports or appraisals of people than they actually are. So I think with D'Amico, you hear guys like me or others talk about him and it's, I, I think there's a natural skepticism uh, because people say a lot of nice things about a lot of people. Yeah. So with D'Amico, it's hard to explain just that he's just a different dude when it comes to a certain type of charisma and presence about him where you just feel like, okay, he's a natural-born leader. Yeah. You know, and like, so what I would say is to make a difference, if you look at like Jonathan Gannon and some of the awkwardness you've seen out of him out in Arizona, this is a guy that's a very bright defensive mind, and yet... Just like it happens with a lot of offensive coordinators, they don't have the natural charisma or, or leadership skills. 
<laughs> yeah, that's all right. Ben's playing the Jonathan Gannon pew 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 sound. It's uh, <laughs> it's coconut milk that I'm drinking with my cereal. Oh, it's, so it's the, the coconut. coconut so ironically, the it's coconut got you. It's, it's huh? coming. Up, it's choking me from. Oh. It's coming up and choking oh. me from the inside. You yeah. disrespected the coconuts. Yeah, I didn't that's res- karma. I didn't respect the power of the coconut. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, how about we play a little Mike McDaniel? Well, Mike McDaniel, talk. you want to play some Mike McDaniel yes. talking about D'Amico yeah. Ryans? Here's Mike McDaniel talking about D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that I didn't have to, uh, to interview against him. Okay, this guy uh, is uh, unlike any other coach I've been around where um, you know, I really haven't been around a, a guy that you know, uh, old enough where we drafted and I was there for his uh, year one as a rookie. Um, oh, by the way, he was uh, he, he called the defense and was um, rookie of the year and immediately the best player on our defense. Fast forward to his first year in coaching and he excelled at the same rate um, as a as like a quality control defensive assistant, um, which had a expedited um fast track to position coach and then you know he had the he had the pressure of following robert sell on that elite defense and and you know what i think he at every juncture he's just been first class um high level uh human being that um bottom line is as a head coach your job is to make everyone around you better and i i, I mean at every walk um that I've been able to view him from age 22 on. That's all he's ever done. So uh, it's very rare that you get um, such a leader of men that is willing and able to be a, a coach after being uh, having an illustrious career as he did. Um, so I, I think he the the best is yet to come for that that franchise, and I I know he couldn't be happier being there. Do you know that? Uh, Mike McDaniel, you heard him there talk about D'Amico's rookie year. He saw him, it was just 2006. He said that yesterday. <laughs> and and I'm like, I was, I have zero memory of Mike McDaniel. You were being on the on team. I was a t- yeah. player on that team. Yeah. And he went to Yale. So I'm, I probably had a conversation with him at some point. That was still back when like a lot of the kids that played in the Ivy league, totally knew who I was because there weren't that many guys yeah. in the Ivy League in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I have zero memory of him at all. He said that, and I was like, wait a second. He wasn't there D- D'Amico's rookie year. So um, I gotta, I'm got i going to have to go back and find some photos. He must have looked like such a nerdy little guy. Uh, that, you know, As opposed like, to I, now? I, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. but imagine him with like 10 oh, years yeah. less aging yeah, on yeah, him. Yeah, no, you're right. 15 you're right. years less aging on him. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, I wonder... <laughs> Mike McDaniel. <laughs> I thought he was Gee. just a, a little front office yeah. intern or something He was something there 2006 like yeah. to 2008. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was just double-checking. I thought maybe he didn't remember no, I double correctly. Che- I checked it after he said it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that the, the way people talk about him, is just it's different than the things they say about other coaches. And that's why what I, what I try to explain to people is, yes, I totally prefer an offensive coach if I have to make a decision between two guys who are equally qualified to right. be head coaches. Tiebreaker. 100%. Yeah. Give me the offensive coach. Yeah. But the vast majority of NFL coaching hires don't work out uh, to begin with, 
And especially when you're taking guys just because, oh, wow, he's a good offensive coordinator, you end up getting a guy who's not actually a good head coach. Um, and then you don't get the good offensive, you don't get the good offense or a good actual head coach. D'Amico, first and foremost, has all those attributes of a good head coach. Yep. Uh, here's John Lynch. Back to John Lynch. Speaking of the offense, D'Amico's going to coach the defense. He has tasked Bobby Slowick, former passing game coordinator in San Francisco, where John Lynch is the GM currently. Um, he will be the new offensive coordinator for the Texans. Here's John Lynch on Bobby Slowick. Has a philosophy, I think, molded by his dad and a lot of the great coaches in this league where it's, it's good to throw people into a variety of roles. So Bobby Slowick, when he first came, was working with Robert Sala on the defensive side of the ball and I think picked up a lot of his his core beliefs and understanding of how you attack defenses by studying defenses and helping Sala. And so, um, but Bobby was always one of, um, was one of Kyle's trusted voices. Uh, Bobby's extremely poised, extremely smart, and I think ready for the next step. So, um, you know, we lost to Slowick and brought in another Kubiak. And so um, that's always a good thing. I think so highly of their family. And um, But Bobby Bobby will do really, really well, and he's ready for that opportunity uh, for the Texans. Lost to Slowick, brought in a Kubiak. Sounds like he's just like uh, like uh, Eastern Europeans. Yeah. They're all the same. <laughs> It's like yeah. when you call, you accuse me of racism for uh, assuming that you would like the Irish Brigade where we went to eat last hey, night. It turns out I did like it a hey, lot. You did, yeah. 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 I was like, hey, there's an Irish uh, pub, Sean. Right. We there should go two. eat there. There were two right across the street from each other. And when we were walking in, I'm like, guys, let me do the talking, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are my people, all right? I'm even impressed if you had like, uh, gone full Gaelic or Gaelic, something. Gaelic, yeah. 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 I would have, too. That was, <laughs> but it was good. Yeah, I had, I had beef stew. It looked good. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a, uh, an old Irish dish called a cheeseburger. Yeah, I was, was disappointed good. in you. I good. thought you were going to eat like haggis it's or shepherd's something like pie, that. Cabbage. Is haggis an Irish? Oh, that's a Scottish thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Bobby Slowick, we're excited about. A lot of people commenting on the coconuts falling out of That seems to be the topic that's taken yeah. over the trailer wheel and frame text. Page. So for those of you who haven't uh, tuned in yet, we're staying at a house uh, close to West Palm Beach for Astro Spring Training. Sean is found that he's petrified of these coconuts falling uh, because they he's... fall randomly out of the trees. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's the, terrified. He didn't realize that they're the heavy and that they fall down. The size of a huge dumbbell. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't realize a lot of these basic horticultural things. And uh, and now he's he's basically terrified to go in the front 150 yard. people died from falling coconuts last year. Right, mostly because they're drunk directly underneath a coconut tree. Or... or like a 50% chance I wind up that, drunk underneath a coconut tree. That is actually a really good point. If you're not in your right mind, if you stay away from the base of the coconut tree, you're going to be all right. But right. if you're not in your right mind, that looks like a nice place to fall asleep. It it's yeah. very calming out there. It I would is. imagine, too, uh, if you're in a hammock, I bet most of those deaths are hammock deaths. Because if you're in a hammock, yeah, then yeah. your head's closer to where it could fall, 100%. hit like the rope at the base of the hammock, okay. and then like roll and hit your head. I feel better because there's not a hammock here, so I feel better. That won't happen to me. Um, no offense, Sean. This is 0753 on the trailer wheel and frame text page. No offense, Sean, but if you're dumb enough or unlucky enough to die from a falling coconut, you probably had it coming. Yeah. That holds up in a court of law, too. That's fair. That's yeah. probably, honestly, like if somebody tries to sue you because your coconut killed somebody, the judge probably throws it right out of court. Yeah, because you're dumb. They're so like, what are you... Yeah. <laughs> how, now, how did it hit you in the head? I was gawking at the coconut, and it fell and hit me in the forehead. <laughs> I demand satisfaction. As it was coming down. I had to look up to make sure it was a coconut, <laughs> and indeed it was. Somebody yelled, heads up, yeah. and I looked up for the coconut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. John McClain joins us at the top of the hour. 
Um, we'll do some headlines in the next segment. But before we do that, it is our daily mock draft injection, getting you ready for the NFL draft by looking at the views of others. Today, it is the godfather of the mock draft, Mel Kuyper's podcast. is uh, or Not podcast, I'm sorry, uh, mock draft. Probably got a podcast, too. Um, mock draft. We will go through that next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Shoppers John Deere presents live from West Palm Beach for the start of spring baseball. Thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors, it's Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. I will get to headlines in just a little bit. John McClain joins us at the top of the hour. He is live in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. We are live in Florida at Astros Spring Training. We'll be at Red Sox Astros a little later on today. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more in headlines. We'll get to Mel Kuyper's mock draft here in a second. Again, big thanks to Shoppa's John Deere for bringing us to Florida so we can bring spring training to you. Um, here's Nick Casario yesterday when he was asked about the Bears picking number one and being open for business. Is that something you've thought about, talking to the Bears, moving up to number one? Yeah, I think we're focused on the Texans. We're not necessarily worried about what other teams around us are doing. I mean, you're cognizant of that. But ultimately, you have to be prepared to pick wherever you're going to pick and then be prepared to pick whatever player. So I'd say most teams, again, not to generalize here, but most teams, wherever they pick, you probably have three or four guys that you would feel comfortable taking. So if a team is in front of you and you're only talking about one player, well, that's going to leave two or three other players. So you're either comfortable with that group of players or you're not. So, again, you can't really get too caught up in what other teams are doing. You just try to make decisions that you feel are best for your team and your situation. I get what he's saying there, Seth, and you've pointed that out with, you know, you, you, you – you get a patch of players, three, four, five, six players that yeah. you like in a certain range of the draft, and guys are moving up, teams are moving up. Or in the case of the Texans last year, they moved back when they were already in that range and took Kenyon Green. Yeah. Um, 
it is different when you're talking about the number one and two pick. You know, if you're if you're moving up from two, you're obviously not moving up to get a range of guys. You have your pick of the litter there at uh, at number one. I guess the the big question right now for Nick Casario with that number two pick is how do you feel about not just the two quarterbacks that everybody's talking about, yeah. but the four quarterbacks and other players like Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. Right, right. And I think that when I heard that, when I heard him talk to it about in the way that he did. It's important to note that he's talked about this many times before, about the way they look at the draft, is that they look at groups of players at specific spots, and if they're moving up or down in the draft, usually it's not to target one specific player. It's to say, all right, look, there are five players that we all like, and they're still out there. Let's get into this spot in the draft, and one of them will be there. Somebody before might take a couple of them, but um, one of those guys that we like will be there. So I think when he said that, it, it solidified what I'd been thinking, which is I, I'm skeptical that they'll trade up to number one overall. Me too. I do find it interesting, though, for people who are less acquainted with Houston, outside of the city of Houston, uh, less acquainted with the Texans, or Nick Casario, I think people are so attuned to smoke regarding movement that they're like on guard for it. They're like, well, they, just, they might be just be throwing smoke out there. We don't know. Um, but when it, as soon as somebody says that they're staying put, I saw like all over the place yesterday, like, well, it looks like the Texans aren't actually moving. Well, dang it. What am I going to do now? (laughs) Why on earth would they say that they're going to stay put if they don't stay put? That's not fun smoke. Yeah, I guess, I guess why they just take it at face value when you're going to stay put. Um, it does make sense that in this year, especially because there's no Trevor Lawrence, you know, there's no Andrew Luck. There's nobody like that that's definitively, okay. Yeah. This guy checks off all the boxes. Bryce Young checks off a bunch of boxes. But the huge empty the the empty box for him is like the size of one of these new bases in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's body size. Yeah, and and people are petrified about that part of it. So for, so if I look at this band, this group at the top, and I think, okay, what if the Texans were choosing fifth right now? Would they feel like they wanted to move up into that top four because they love that group? I don't think they would. Yeah, you know. So I don't think. So right likewise, now. I don't think that he would move up within that group. Um, he just he looks at it more as little probability clouds. That makes sense. I, as far as them moving or not moving, I'm I'm in camp. I don't think they're going to move right yeah. now, but that could change. Mel Kiper Jr. has a mock draft. He thinks differently. Uh, he says he doesn't think the Texans would have to give up their other first round pick, the twelfth over. You have an extra third rounder in the draft that could be appealing. God, if all they had to give up was a third rounder, I would think of doing that if I like Bryce Young. Mel Kuyper has them moving up. He doesn't say what the exact draft package or the exact trade package is to the Bears, but he's got the Texans moving up to number one, and let's unveil who, who they take with the first overall pick following a mock trade with the Chicago Bears in the Mel Kuyper version 2.0 mock draft. The Texans select Bryce Young, ah, quarterback Alabama. Yeah, it's an incredible surprise. He's got a fairly lengthy, um, fairly lengthy explanation of taking Bryce Young. Uh, the part that that jumps out to me: this is a big week for Young, who will be under the microscope at the combine. There isn't much of a history of sub 200 pound quarterbacks having NFL success, and he could put that to the test. Yeah. He was closer to 190 at Alabama. How much will he weigh in Indy this week? My over under is 195. If he's in that range, I feel good about him as QB1. For what it's worth, there are places you can bet on this. What is the over-under? 197.5. Yeah, because Todd McShay said that he played, or at least he tried to get up to and play at this season, 194. He's listed at 194. Yeah, and I don't know if he held that weight during the season or not. Uh, So if he got up to that, just 
for well, actually practicing football and everything. I'm guessing in training for the combine, he's been able to get over that. So I would be. I bet he's shooting for two hundred one. I bet he, he wants to get up t- above that two hundred. Dude, if he's got a two in front of his weight number, that thing's going to get celebrated on the NFL Network like he just won his first playoff. It's the. Uh, it's whatever the opposite of like the retail thing is. Like uh, we don't want it to be two dollars. It's got to yeah. be one ninety nine. Right. No, this is like the combines yeah. the other way around. You really want to be at two and two hundred, preferably two hundred one. Yeah. He's over two hundred pounds. pounds. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I, by the way, the other thing too about Bryce Young is I keep seeing people say um, that picture. There's a picture of him next to Drew Brees, mm-hmm. and they'll say it looks like he's three inches shorter than Drew Brees, and. Um, I would say I don't believe it looks like he's three inches shorter than Drew Brees. I think it looks like he's two inches shorter than Drew Brees, which would be exactly what I think people think he is. Yeah. I think they think he's 5'10 and a half. Yeah. Drew Brees is six foot and a half. Yep. He lives at a 6'1, but he's like six. I think he was six foot and three eighths. Yeah. So he's six foot and a half. Yeah. I mean, you, the, the, you know, the height thing, the height thing gets passes batted down. The weight thing gets you killed. <laughs> you know, that's. You see, yeah. Like if Bryce Young gets drafted by the Texans, <laughs> I will fight anybody. Who tries to attack him? If he gets drafted by the Colts, I cannot wait until Jalen Carter breaks him in half over, right. over I, his I knee. I hope he spontaneously combusts on the field. I hope Jalen Carter. One. Yeah, I, I hope <laughs> Jalen Carter does something that gets him a four-game fine. Houston like, Texans, uh, like Jalen Carter. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so let's uh, it's a, let's. It's a, it's a beautiful sport, football. Let's keep. It, it really brings it. out the best in people, doesn't it? He has the Colts. Mel Kiper. Yeah, <laughs> Mel Kiper has the Colts trading up to get C.J. Stroud at two. Um, Will Anderson at three, and then the Bears sit at four, yeah. and they take Jalen Carter. So he's got the Bears trading down twice, once to two and then again to four, and still maybe winding up with the guy that they like all along. That would be a home run for the Bears. Let's fast forward to pick number 12 for the uh, Houston Texans. With the 12th pick, okay, this is spicy. Change yeah. it up a little bit. With the 12th pick in the Mel Kiper 2.0 mock draft, the Houston Texans select Tyree Wilson, defensive end, Texas Tech. Yeah. This is an interesting one. This is one. the lowest I've seen him go in any mock draft. Is it the lowest? It is. He is, 12, he is usually gone by the time the top ten is around. I try to take little notes on these guys or copy and paste stuff as I go. So I don't know where I saw this note, but I had copied and pasted it. It was, has the uncoachable mentality to attack the man in front of him with reckless abandon. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so whoever gave that scouting report, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I like the Kudos. I like the, I actually like the way they Kudos on the wording, it. yeah. Yeah. Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll Google that later and figure out who said it. But um, I think that's fair. I've seen comps to Jason Pierre-Paul, and I think that that that's a good one because Pierre-Paul in a lot of ways was very raw, but like had this natural ability to where like it just looked like Physical contact didn't affect him. Like, he could just kind of impose his will without having to use technique. When he was a younger player, mm-hmm. he got more polished, especially after he lost half his hand. He had to get even a little bit more polished because uh, it was harder to just grab people and throw them around. So I think that, like, all the intangibles are there. He just – he needs polish, He but he really likes contact. And um, and is more like a – like, not an explosive, twitchy guy – but just uh, a brute of a human being who's got the right attitude. And he's got a – like, he looks like he could actually get bigger. I don't think he needs to. But he, he's like he's that kind of guy that is probably 275, but looks like if, if they told him to play offensive tackle, he could get up to 335 and still be lean. He's a beast. Yeah. I think yeah. he's a certifiable beast. And he's somebody yeah. – I don't think he's going to be there at 12. This is the first mock draft I've seen him there at 12. Kuiper has a bunch of corners going in the top 10, and he's got all four quarterbacks going in the top 10. Um, and some offensive linemen. 
I don't know, man. Like if Tyree Wilson is there at twelve, they should run that card up to the podium. I think he's. I think he's. He's a monster that fills a. a the Texans need everything. Edge rusher is a hyper position of need for the Texans. Yeah. So and, I, uh, I like that pick. And it's just so hard to not visualize it because D'Amico came from San Francisco and you see what Nick Bose is able to do. Yeah, D'Amico will max guys. this guy out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, that is Mel Kuyper's mock draft 2.0. We do the daily mock draft injection just before headlines, which will take place now. John McClain, top of the hour. Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. All right, we're here for spring training. Shop is John Deere bringing us down here to Florida. And the lineup card is out for today's game between the hometown nine, the Houston Astros, and the Boston Red Sox. Seth, we will get our second look at spring training today at the combination of Jose Altuve and Jeremy Pena at the top of the order. Ah, So they, they started on Monday. They start today. Martin Maldonado. You want to know what kind of lineup they've got today? Hmm. Martin Maldonado's in the three-hole today. <laughs> I know it's been fun to watch Maldonado in the, yeah. f- in the five-hole, in the five-spot. Yeah. Um, it didn't quite do – maybe the three-hole is where it needs. Maybe he'll be, become a 300-hitter <laughs> in the – Matajevic's <laughs> in the third. lineup. You know, not a ton of familiar names in the lineup. Matajevic looked good the other day. He did. He hit home run. Yeah. Um, Altuve batting today will be something obviously we'll have our eye on. He didn't look super comfortable in the first game under the new rules. We'll see how today looks. Um, Hunter Brown on the mound. I'm excited about seeing this today. We'll see a couple innings of a Justin Verlander uh, tribute band. Yeah. We're going to see that. You know what's crazy about that? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Hunter Brown, Justin Verlander doppelganger is starting this game. I don't know if you know this name, and I forget the kid's first name, but I saw the last name here because I read an article about him in the Chronicle uh, earlier this week. This Rupenthal, he's one of the pitchers that they're going to use today. Yeah. Rupenthal is his name. He's 27 years old. He's kind of a career minor leaguer. He looks exactly like Garrett Cole. Uh, like exactly like Garrett Cole. Oh, he was the one that got... He gets uh, people walking up to him in yeah. places, getting pictures with him, and they think he's Garrett Cole. You should do... You know what you should do, Sean? Have him... Have him read something off of a piece of paper that you give him. Yeah. And then you do your Garrett Cole impression. Oh, and, I will, and we'll, we'll do put it on video in. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if he just does a session with for us, like at his locker. Yeah. We can take that's a good idea. That's, right. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, oh, even if I he, thought you meant like no. me go up to him and say, hey, yeah, uh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. No, he'll be in on it. Yeah. We'll say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll ask him something about, you know, his actual job, too, at some point. Right. But mostly we want him to know that there's comedic value. <laughs> right, there. right, right. That's the, yeah. The, it will be like, listen, there used to be a guy on the team that tried to be funny and Sean despised him. Uh, <laughs> his name was. I wasn't alone. <laughs> his name was. Oh, oh, you're talking about Joe Biagini. Joe Biagini. Yeah, I think yeah. you're talking about Garrett Cole. Remember Garrett Cole cracking jokes the other day about... Yeah, but he was a, But you didn't despise him. I despised Garrett Cole, but not because of his bad sense of humor. Right, and you didn't despise him at the time. No. You despised Joe Biagini. I did. I despised him from day one. So yeah, corny. I hated that guy. He was, he was abusing the courtesy laugh. Yeah. That's yeah. what he did. He was abusing yeah. the courtesy laugh, call. which is like any joke that anybody tells in front of a gaggle of sports reporters, yeah. they're going to encourage it because yep. they, want, they desperately want guys not to give boring interviews. So if you try to tell any joke at all, they're like, oh, <laughs> oh Joe, you're so witty. And he kept it going for the entire time he was here. Yeah. So Pena made good hard contact, but yeah. he flew out to uh, right field a few times yep. the other day. We'll hopefully see him, you know, connect, uh, hit him, hit him harder and straighter. Yep. Um, but he'll also uh, uh, Altuve is the one that we're really 
yeah. hoping to see it look better than he did the other day. No doubt. No doubt. They looked fine defensively. Yep. Yeah, they did. They turned a couple double plays. It was good. Um, so we'll be out there today. The game starts at uh, a little after noon Houston time. Also starting at noon Houston time today is D'Amico Ryan's press conference at the Combine in Indy. John McClain's going to join us in a few minutes. By the way, you're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 and Odyssey Station. Here was Nick Casario's opening statement yesterday. And this, I know the guys in the afternoon did not like this tack the Texans are taking in yeah. terms of attacking the Combine and who they're bringing to the Combine. Here was Nick Casario saying that uh, D'Amico's showing up today, but the rest of the coaching staff, they're back in Houston. Hopefully we're going to have a few productive days here. Um, our coaching staff actually stay back in Houston. Uh, D'Amico will be here a little bit later this afternoon. We just felt the best thing for the new staff, which is kind of stay back, kind of work on scheme, kind of familiarize ourselves with our team, continue to work through that. So um, try to be efficient with our time, try to get uh, um, some work done here. You know, try to maximize our opportunities here this week and then uh, head back to Houston here later in the week, get ready for free agency, and uh, keep building the team. So. Okay. Um, now I know that some people worked up about that. One of our listeners actually just texted this in. Clint said yesterday he wants all the coaches to go to the combine, but Seth said he likes them staying back and being productive. Why do they disagree? Who do I trust? Well, obviously you trust me, but uh, I don't know exactly why we disagree. I think this. I think that when I see like debacles in coaching. I've been a part of them before when Richard Smith was a defensive coordinator. I've witnessed them like in in Denver this year. It's by far almost always the the problem is it's trying to do too much all at once. And right now I thought I thought that Casario alluded to it. Look, this staff is trying to get the scheme together and ready. Um, these guys have only been a full staff for about a week or so now. Their time is better spent right now, I believe, on the X's and O's of football. They could have all kinds of input on various prospects that the Texans will never even draft. Um, or they could actually get, they could actually get started on getting the scheme together so that when they can take a more advanced look at guys that might draft, you want to be sure that you're looking at prospects. This is the whole, this is the whole thing in the first two months of a new team. You've got these coaches that need to learn what the vocabulary of the scouts is. Um, when personnel people say somebody's fast, somebody's explosive, somebody has good change of direction, like exactly how do you mean that? And there's differences from staff to staff. Um, so to go to the combine when you don't even have that vocabulary down and you don't know specifically what kind of scheme you're leaning towards, it's really, I, I think, honestly, a lot of wasted opportunities to get that done back at home so I think right now is a good time for the the coordinators to be working with their staffs and and I I think it's the right tactic it's not like one way or the other you're going to get that work done it's just not a big deal I think you've got a personnel staff for a reason go let them spend the 15 minutes of you get 15 minutes with a prospect like, what do you think coaches are doing with the other time when, when the personnel people are trying to interview Eating prospects? steak at St. Elmo's. And getting drunk half the time. Um, like, you know? It should, let me ask you this. Not all of them. I, I, a lot of them are not getting drunk. I think I know at the answer. I think I know the, what you're going to say. I think I know the answer to this question. But I want to bring it up because it's the position everybody's talking about. Should there be somebody there, like, as far as the quarterback goes? Maybe Gerard or Bobby yeah. Slowick. Is, is quarterback different, or is it the same as all the other positions? It's, I... It could no. I think it's different. Are those fifteen minutes different with quarterbacks? I think that look, it's it's a matter of economics. It's you've got to make decisions about you know what's most important and what are you going to focus manpower on manpower economics right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So sure, all those guys could. 
contribute something and glean something from going to the combine. But what's most important right now? Again, you don't try to do everything all at once. Sure. The most important thing for the coaches is to figure out what they're going to coach. The most important thing for the personnel people is to actually look at the personnel and get their uh, and, and weigh in and do all that stuff. Um, and there's you know there's there's crossover there, but some of that can come later on in the process. I, like, uh, so when I mentioned trying to do too much all at once, I mean you read the stories about what it was like in Denver last year, and it was like well. You know, let's let's try to bring in all the stuff that Russell likes doing, but then we want to be sure we're doing our stuff too, and maybe we'll change the cadence up to make it perfect all the time, and it just ends up being a big hodgepodge. It ends up being a big mess. Um, so yeah, this in this first year especially, I I like just keeping it simple. The other thing to point out is that this is not novel. Like a lot of other teams are starting to do it this way. Um, there's a lot of parts about it. Like, honestly, I've always felt that the combine is one of the dumbest things in terms of the way it's handled that, that the NFL does. So I think there are a lot of teams that are starting to look at that and recognize and realize it. From a player's perspective, it's plainly obvious how stupid a lot of it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because scouts and coaches have been doing it for so long and it's tradition, they don't get it. But when you when you see it from a player's perspective, it's really, really stupid. <laughs> so, like, I, I personally, I credit Casario for probably understanding some of the stupid parts of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.